jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard Green pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. Just one guest lined up for today. We will get to the Hall of Famer Floyd Little at the top of hour number two, as we do uh, at 1 o'clock every Monday. But other than that, we want to hear from you on Q's Football. The Orange now 5-2 and two on the season after a, a double overtime thriller. Inside the Carry Dome, 40-37 to 37 on Saturday. Uh, some people started leaving about seven or eight minutes to go, uh, but they missed a, a fantastic finish as the Orange came from behind. Tommy DeVito inserted into the game with about five minutes to play, and the kid was fantastic. Three touchdown passes down the stretch, uh, one in regulation to force overtime, then two in OT as, uh, as Syracuse gets the win. So a lot to talk about from this game, but there is one thing that I know everybody wants to talk about, and that is the quarterback position. Who will be starting on Saturday? Who should be starting on Saturday when NC State comes to town? I just came from Dino Baber's press conference. Uh, Seth, he said about what you would expect him to say, and that is, I'm not telling you what I'm going to do, is essentially what he said. He said he's going to keep the decision in-house. Uh, I asked him, have you made the decision on who's going to go out there first against NC State, and have you told the team that decision? Started to answer the question. He paused, and they said, you know what? I'm not going to answer the question. So he respectfully declined. And, and frankly, I don't blame him. He, he has a little bit of an advantage here. NC State's going to have to prepare for two quarterbacks. He doesn't want to tip his hand. I get it. Would it be tipping his hand, though, to say he's already made a decision? Would that like I, I don't see how that is. Without divulging the, the decision, I don't see how that is tipping your hand. Right now, I... The one thing I would say about that before you go on, yeah, we do get our our, our one chance to talk to the players tomorrow. Okay. And if he says the team has been notified, you know that every single question that the players get is going to be about the quarterbacks. But isn't it already? Probably doesn't want his guys to slip up. Um, I think to some degree, but if they, you know, if they've been told just dodge the question or say I can't talk about it, you know, maybe it dies down after a question or two, and they get on to other things. If you know, if he makes it known that he's told the team which way he's going. I, I I just I wonder if that's why he said I haven't told the team. Take the pressure off the questions that they're going to have to answer tomorrow. Maybe I guess that's possible. I look I I look at this situation. I look at the energy that was brought into the dome. I look at the uh, the downfield passing game that all of a sudden showed up. I look at the three touchdowns that were scored in the span of five minutes plus over plus two overtime periods of a game. And I I say there's no quarterback controversy. I, I look at everything that happened in that game. And, and everything that's happened over the last three games. And I say, I don't see the controversy. 
I, I don't see I don't see the question. I I see a clear answer to all of these questions. That's starting Tommy on on Saturday. It's been a bad month for Eric Dungey, no doubt about it. You look at the last three games. He's sixty one for one hundred and twelve passing. That's fifty four percent. He's got one touchdown pass. Three picks, does have four rushing touchdowns, but has the the one key fumble against Pittsburgh. Um, can I can can we throw? Uh, I've got numbers here. Can do you mind throwing in the other the the half against Florida State just to make it ACC play? Because those are the numbers I I pulled er, earlier today before he got hurt. Yeah, he, okay. he played a half before the Florida State game before he got hurt and did not come back. And then of course he played three and a half quarters on Saturday. Fifty three percent completion. 745 yards, which comes out to less than 200 a game. Uh, One touchdown, three picks. Rushing the ball, 50 carries for 156 yards. That's only 3.1 yards per carry and four touchdowns. And keep in mind the sacks, though. Fumble, right? So the rushing numbers are always kind of skewed because in college football they they take away uh, yards for sacks, where they they don't do that in the pros. Um, So you got to take those numbers with a grain of salt. But there's no doubt about it that. His passing numbers are are not where you would expect them to be. You know, a fourth-year starter, third year under Dino Babers. He has struggled. He's only completing, as you mentioned, a shade above 50% of his passes. Um, and in a game or two, you know, maybe you can look past that. In four ACC games, um, that's that's a little bit concerning. And the one touchdown pass is is a lot concerning. Yes, it really is. And And we've talked about this. We've talked about what's... What's going on with this offense, and and why is it that they're scoring a whole bunch of points, but they just don't look right? It doesn't I mean it doesn't that kind of paint in that picture? Doesn't that at least help to explain some of that? Eric Dungey has been struggling, and and as a result, this this offense hasn't quite looked right for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they've continued to score. They've they they scored thirty seven on Pittsburgh. They scored a bunch against UConn. Uh, but when they needed that knockout blow against Pittsburgh, against Clemson, it, it just it, it wasn't it it wasn't there. There was nothing to reload the gun and and shoot it again. You you couldn't. This offense couldn't reload fast enough and get that last score that they needed in those last two games. And you know I'm not saying that's why they lost, but they had chances to put both of those games away and couldn't do it. And and then you look at what happened on Saturday when Tommy DeVito comes in and immediately throws a 50-yard pass downfield, immediately throws a 42-yard touchdown pass, the majority of it downfield, not a screen that was taken for a run. This offense looked different and more dynamic with him at the helm. Seven points after halftime against Clemson, to your point. Six points in the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh. They settle for two field goals. If they score a touchdown, they probably win that game. If they score anything else against Clemson, they probably win that game. Uh, zero points in the first quarter against North Carolina. It's the first time that's happened since November 4th of last year when they lost at Florida State, not scoring in the first quarter, and that allowed North Carolina to jump out to the lead. Um, you look at his performance in the first half, and he kind of figured it out, Dungy did, late in the second quarter. He missed a couple throws, though, in the first quarter. And the one yes. that comes to mind for me is the screen pass or that, that little swing. swing pass to uh, to Mo Neal that he that he overshot. Uh, if they complete that, it's probably a touchdown. Uh, yeah, it, it absolutely they, was. Instead, they settle for it, a missed field goal. Right. Instead, they miss a field goal. And and I think that throws like that are, are frustrating. On the touchdown drive, he throws the 70-yard bomb to Custis. And then the next pass, uh, before he ran it in for a touchdown, the next pass was one uh, over the middle behind Mo Neal that got tipped up and could have been picked. 
Um, it's just kind of the inconsistencies, and, and we've seen a lot more of the inconsistencies the last couple of weeks and, and throws like that that are just a little bit off the mark or throws like like the one that you mentioned over Mo Neal's head that, quite frankly, weren't really close. And, and I think that when you look at this decision and, and you're trying to make this choice, you know, I, I don't know that there's any doubt that Tommy DeVito is the better thrower of the football. So I guess you have to figure out what do you want? Do you want Eric Dungy and his legs and his improvisation and his his running ability? Do you want that on the field? Or do you want the better arm and the better thrower and the better accuracy and the better deep ball on the field? Now, I think teams over the last couple of weeks have done a much better job of defending Eric Dungy than they were doing earlier in the year, than they were doing last year or the year before. I think that teams are containing him in the run game. So if he's not going to beat you on the ground, I think we know he's not going to beat you through the air. Doesn't that make this decision? Like that, that factors into this decision, doesn't it? I, I think it's a great point you bring up, Seth, and and I don't think there's any doubt about it that opponents are trying to turn Eric Dungy into a pocket passer, and when you do that, you are able to expose some of his weaknesses. And I think lately, not only. You know, has his arm strength been questioned? And oh, by the way, Dino Babers was asked today if there's some sort of lingering injury that's bothering Dungy. And Dino's answer was he's been cleared by the medical staff. And he was asked a follow up question about that. And he said, You're going to have to ask the medical staff. He's been cleared to play with with no restrictions, and and we're putting him out there. that's, That's not a no. Right. And I think we can all tell that he's just not the same. Right, whether it's his arm strength or even his decision making, you look at that play that he tried to make with uh, was a little more than eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter when he was about to get sacked, and instead of taking the four yard loss, he as he's going down tries to heave it forward. Now, fortunately, they were able to look at it on replay and say, okay, you know that was a pass attempt that was awfully close, dangerously close that to was, being a fumble. That was bad, and yeah. if it was ruled a fumble. That's probably game over because North Carolina. I mean, that was that happened right around the thirty yard line. You figure North Carolina is able to get at least a field goal there, and there was a little more than eight minutes to go. And you just you question some of the decisions that he makes. Now, at the same time, there's that play. You and I are standing on the sidelines before the half, and there's that play he makes where he scrambles around and and ran like eighty yards to pick up eleven in a first down. I mean, exactly. that was and it that led was to a Eric, score. Led Eric Dungy, right? And that's Eric Dungy at his finest. Um, but some of the decisions that that he makes, you you have to question. And you know, you said I I think that Tommy DeVito has the better arm. Tommy DeVito has a, it's not even a un, question. it's not even a question. Tommy DeVito has an unbelievable arm. So yes, it comes down to. Do you trade the lack of experience that DeVito has for what he brings to the table with arm strength, or do you go with the veteran leader? I will say this. You mentioned a moment ago that there's no controversy in your mind. Um, that's that's the one thing on this we disagree with. I'm not saying I, I'm not saying you're wrong that DeVito should start. I'm saying I, I don't think it's a slam dunk, easy decision for a lot of reasons. It's not. Look, it's it's an easy decision for me. It's an easy decision for me to sit here as the as the idiot in the studio behind a microphone to do this. It's a lot more difficult for Dino Babers and this coaching staff to do it. We were both in the press conference Saturday. I I could feel I could feel it coming from Dino Babers that he was He's just torn like, on this. This is a really difficult decision. If you go back and watch. When he is asked, the first time he is asked a question about Eric Dungy and about this quarterback decision, he pauses. It, it seemed like he was getting emotional almost. That he, he was just like, I, I, can't, I can't do this yet. right? I, 
it, there was a feeling for me that he was looking at it as, um, and I don't want to say he owes Eric Dungey something. But it, it was a feeling of like, hey, we've been through the wars for three years now. You stayed and believed in this when I took over. And and to some extent, there's, you know, there, there's a clear relationship there. There's a clear, you know, bond and, you know, if, if it's not going too far, love there between coach and quarterback. And I don't and think, I think that's that, going too far. He preaches family. I right. mean, I don't think that's going too far. And so... I think that that is what's holding it up. In the building, this is a much tougher decision than I'm making it out to be. Because I, I think for that reason, because there's the bond, because there's the trust, because there's the, the family, because, uh, look, Eric Dungy bought in, dove in headfirst when, when Dino Babers took over, and and he's a guy who's all over the record book. He's a guy who's a four-year starter, who people love, and for good reason. Um, it's a much more difficult decision for them than I'm probably making it out to be. Dino Babers uh, used the word warrior on Saturday, and he said you don't go into battle without your warrior. And 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 I think that's that's something that needs, needs to be taken into account, what this kid has meant to the program and the leadership that he brings. Um, but if his performance is, is hurting your ability to win, or if he doesn't give you the best chance to win anymore, then I do think you need to make the move. And that's where... That's where I struggle with this is that I do believe, I do believe, but based on what I saw and what I've seen, I think right now Tommy DeVito probably gives you the best chance to win. But I also realize that it is not an easy decision for a lot of reasons. It's It would be difficult to make this decision on Saturday and say, okay, Tommy starts, and then to go back at some point the other way. This feels like... If you have the decision now, this is the decision that you've made for the rest of the season. And and remember, that means for the rest of Eric Dungy's career. So I think this is a, a tough decision for a lot of reasons, Seth. You know what this you know what this feels like to an extent? And I and I got this feeling Saturday. Remember how for the last I don't know what we want to call it, sixteen months, eighteen months, year and a half, let's say, since Tommy DeVito committed. What has what has Eric, what has Dino Baber said about Tommy DeVito? Not much, no. right? And he's and he's tried to keep him under wraps. He, he didn't say much on to, Saturday after but, the game. Okay, that's what I was getting at. But he's tried to keep them under wraps. He called wraps. him the other quarterback. Yes. <laughs> he called he called, he called him the other quarterback. He's he's been trying to downplay Tommy DeVito, keep him under wraps for whatever reason. Whether that was oh, he you knew, know the reason. Whether yeah. it was he didn't want him going anywhere. Whether it was hey, we need to get another quarterback, and I don't want to make it seem like it's a foregone conclusion that this guy is taking over. Whether he didn't want the hype to get out of control. Whatever the reason was. But doesn't it seem like he now is doing the same thing? And it's not for the same reason. It's not for the Tommy DeVito hype to not get out of control. Because we've we've seen him now. We've already seen that arm. We've already seen that quarterback. Now it seems like he's trying to do that to try and keep, and this is a wild speculation, keep Eric Dungy engaged. Keep Eric Dungy there so that if you do have to go back to him, like you said, like you do, if you do need to go back to Eric Dungy at some point, or if you need Eric Dungy, which you definitely will, on the sidelines behind Tommy DeVito to help him out to get him through the rest of this season if DeVito's playing the rest of the way, you need Eric Dungy engaged. And so don't you get the feeling that Dino is going to play this same kind of this, this same kind of game, the same surprise and wait-and-see game that he played with DeVito for the last 18 months, 
and saying, hey, well, you know, all our quarterbacks are good. Our quarterback room is really strong. That other guy is pretty good. You know, uh, ask about Tommy. He'll talk about Clayton Welch. You know, do that kind of stuff because he knows that he needs to keep Eric Dungy engaged, whether he is the starter or the backup or has no role on this team or if he's going to come back and play in, in three weeks, whatever it might be, he knows he needs an engaged Eric Dungy on this team. I do give Eric Dungy a lot of credit for how he handled it, and Dino talked about that after the game, uh, that you know he was engaged when Tommy DeVito was in there and you know leading him into that game-tying touchdown and leading him in overtime, and then afterwards, uh, you know DeVito and Dungy shared a moment on the field, and DeVito talked about it in the press conference afterwards, says that they're very close. Um, I'm not convinced Dino Babers is making a change this week. I, I'm not convinced of it. it I'm not it's either. not an easy decision for a lot of reasons, and I... I can see both sides. So that that's the one part of, of what you said at the top, and, and I, I'm glad you clarified. You said, for you, it's an easy decision. I'm glad you realize it's not for him because there are ramifications of this more than just who gives them the best chance to beat you know NC State. There are, there are a lot of ramifications to this. So I, I don't think it's an easy decision. I'm not convinced Babers is going to make the change. Um, but I do see the side of... Man, Tommy DeVito in that arm, it, it's hard to it's hard to argue based on what we've seen out of Dungy through the ACC schedule so far and based on what the little we've seen of DeVito, but against Florida State, he was very good, and he was fantastic against North Carolina. I'm not going to, you know, I, I know it's clearly not an easy decision, but I'll, I'll say this, and we need to take a break. We've got a caller on the line. I know we've got a lot going on. <laughs> if Nick Saban can kick Jalen Hurts to the curb, if you can kick uh, Kelly Bryant to the curb, if you can, you know, if you, if you can kick top overall recruit Jacob Eason to the curb, you can kick him to the curb. And and I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just 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 look at what has happened at other college football programs. <laughs> I mean that as and a bad thing. I, I don't mean I don't mean like kick well, to the curb come as a bad as a good thing. thing so. No, but, but I know what you mean. You know, if, I know what if you, you mean. can if you can toss out guys who have won national championships for unproven freshmen. You can do it to Eric Dungy too, and you know we love Eric Dungy, and he's a, and he's gritty and a gamer and and the whole deal, and and there's reasons why you love him, but there's there when you're looking for the best chance to win Saturday, there's reasons to say he's not the guy. Kick him to the curb. How harsh? How about demoted from fine, the starter fine, or fine. you know bench him in favor of someone else? Uh, let's get that phone call in. Uh, Dom in Syracuse has been uh, patiently waiting. Hey, Dom. Hey guys, if they don't make the change this week, um, then Dungy is going in with an extremely short leash, uh, and it's not going to take much for him to get the hook. Uh, I think that the difference between the two of them is stark. Uh, Dun- and, and this is where I see it. Dungy goes into a play, I think, as a – I mean, yes, he is a starting quarterback, but he, he views his options as run first. Do I have running lanes available? Where can I escape to – where can I go to? Whereas DeVito goes in, he's looking for passing lanes. He's, he's instantly looking downfield. Um, as for your comment about uh, Dungy needing to keep him, him engaged if DeVito goes in, I really don't think that's the case. You're talking a four-year starter. He's a captain. He's, these are his guys. I don't think if you make this change, I don't think you're all of a sudden going to see Dungy just disengage from the team and sulk on the end of the bench. These are his buddies that he's gone to war with over the past few years. He's fought with, trained over the summer. He, he isn't go- I think he's going to step up and take the leadership role from the sideline. Um, but like I said, if 
DeVito goes in, um, or I'm sorry, if if uh, Dungy goes in this week, it's going to be with a very short leash against NC State. Yeah, could be, Dom. And and again, we don't know what Dino Babers is going to do. Um, that is a possibility. Maybe he gives Dungy the start, sees how it goes, and if he's the Eric Dungy from the last three games, maybe he does make a change sooner rather than later because he knows DeVito can do it. We do need to take a timeout. Phone lines remain open at 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. And back to the phone lines we go. Steven North Syracuse. Thanks for waiting, Steve. How are you today? I'm fine. Uh, very glad we, we won. There was such a small difference between uh, total depression and exhilaration. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. Uh, I, I have two or three uh, quick points to make about the quarterback thing and then a question I'll, I'll ask you about it. Uh, firstly, uh, they always say if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. I don't think that's the case here. I think we've got two quarterbacks with different skill sets, and I like the idea of forcing the other uh, team to prepare for, for, for both. I think one of the things that happened is that <laughs> Saturday is that North Carolina's defense was geared to stop Dungy. Uh, press coverage uh, on the outside and uh, eight guys in the box. And they did a good job of that. And then we bring in DeVito, who can hit 50-yard bombs. And that pass to Johnson was the most beautiful pass I think I've seen in the history of the, all the games at the Carrier Dome. Uh, and uh, suddenly we were getting huge plays, and we came back to win the game. But the other team, if they're facing DeVito, can uh, make adjustments, too, to take away the, the long pass and force DeVito to try to do some things Dungy does to, to, to beat them. So I think it's good to have uh, both of them. Uh, DeVito uh, was uh, exciting but not perfect at the end of that. It, it could easily have wound up in disaster if North Carolina had kicked the field goal after the interception. Uh, if uh, that, pa- that pass to Custis was a, a little bit uh, uh, low and um, uh, uh, not, not far enough to the corner of the end zone, and it could have been picked off, but Custis was strong enough to pull the ball away from the guy. And if that had happened, we'd be having a very different conversation now. So it's very possible DeVito could start and and things could go wrong because the other team is prepared to, to stop DeVito or, or he makes mistakes. I think the big question is this. Who would you rather have coming off the bench if you started uh, either one of these guys and things weren't going well and you were down two touchdowns, uh, I personally would rather have uh, the gunslinger coming off the bench and uh, with the potential to make big plays rather than the guy who's more of a, a game manager and more of a running quarterback trying to make a comeback. I don't know that that's the question that you want to ask. I think that you want to ask a question and then think that that that's going to be your answer for the rest of the year. I don't think that you want to make this decision with who's the guy better suited to come off the bench. I mean, look, we saw what Tommy DeVito could do in a situation where he's coming off the bench. He scored a touchdown very quickly, got them back into the red zone very quickly, um, you know, and, and then scored two times on uh, in overtime within, what, the first three plays of overtime each time. So I, I don't know that you're looking at this as a what's the best answer in case we need somebody to come off the bench again? I, I think you're looking at this as a who's the best quarterback to win us games and, and who's the best quarterback to take the majority of our snaps, and that's the guy that you want starting. Yeah, I don't think it matters either. I think 
you know, either way, I think you feel comfortable with the guy coming in second. Um, I mean, we saw it at Western Michigan to some degree. I mean, Dungy had left the game, and then DeVito wasn't very good. The game got close, and then, you know, Dungy had to come off the bench, and he jumped right back in, and he was fine. And I know it's a little bit different because he played the first part of the game, but I think you feel comfortable with either guy. Dungy and his experience, and, you know, he's been through the wars before, and DeVito has shown twice against Florida State and against North Carolina that he's more than capable of coming on in relief and leading the team to victory. And in both cases, uh, well, I was going to say big victories, but, you know, the Florida State game was, was a lopsided one. North Carolina, you know, he's able to, to score three touchdowns in a short period of time. I mean, he did it in five minutes of regulation and then, and then two in overtime. Um, I, I'm with you, Seth. I don't think it really matters who is coming in. You're not off making the bench. this decision think, based on the bench. You're no. making this decision based on the start of the game. Not the, you know. You're you're making this decision based off of what happens right from the jump. Steve did bring up an interesting point, though that that game was dangerously close to to going the other way on several occasions. Obviously, UNC missed that field goal with about about five minutes to go. Uh, when they would have put him up 10 with five minutes ago, right before DeVito came in. They missed a 45-yarder. Um, there was the the third and four with just over two minutes to go where Carl Tucker drops, and it was thrown a little bit low and behind him, but he drops what would have been a first down, even if he just caught the ball and fell down. It's a first down, and the game is essentially over there. And then, of course, you know DeVito's one mistake was the pick, and North Carolina gets the ball at the 39-yard line. If they get... 10 yards, even less than that, if they get 7 yards, they're lining up for a a game-winning field goal. Uh, And then none of this happens in overtime. Yeah, he obviously threw two great balls there, but the overtime doesn't happen, and then it's a loss, and then the team's 4-3, and 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 obviously the the whole conversation today is different, um, but none of those things, you know, came back to bite them. They're, you know, they they were able to go into overtime, and and Devito was fantastic. But I thought there was an interesting point Steve brought up that, you know, as much as Syracuse won this game, North Carolina did a great job giving Syracuse a lot of chances to win this game. Yeah, I, I was going to joke. I, I'm, did did UNC want to win? Uh, did they? And the way that I'm they lost sure. the week before, I mean, which is worse? To I don't know. Fumble they... on the one and then give up a 99-yard drive to lose, or the way they lost on Saturday? They're, they're both brutal ways to lose. I mean, I, I'm not totally sure they want to win games. <laughs> you know, look at look at these look at the two weeks back to back. They fumble on the one and then on top compound that with, as you said, allowing them to drive the length of the field. And then they just made mistake after mistake after mistake in the fourth quarter. And credit to Syracuse because. They they took advantage of the mistakes and kept advantage uh, took advantage of of that door that was just slightly cracked open. But man, UNC did them some favors. Back to the phone line, Scooter and Jamesville up next on the show. Hey, Scooter. Hey guys, you kind of stole a little of my thunder. I, I, I've been interested in the minor the talk show in in in, in uh, Chapel Hill because who actually won the game, Syracuse or Carolina losing it? And you kind of stole my thunder because you know thank you know thank you Carolina for the. You know, the, some of the crazy play calling, especially with 40 seconds left in the game. And they didn't even try anything. They only pick up seven yards. I totally agree, Steve. I figured they're going to throw some type of screen pass or something. They're actually throwing verticals downfield, almost trying to score the touchdown. I thought, I thought the key play of the game that you guys haven't talked about is when the halfback broke away. It looks like he's going to score a touchdown. I don't know who ran him down. He ran him down to the opposite side of the field and tackled him. I think they're going to end up with a field goal, right? Wouldn't that have been... A uh, touchdown, and they would have been up uh, ten if they actually, if they actually, uh, actually scored the touchdown. At uh, what, what point of the game are you talking? 
It happened, happened with the fullback, and it would, it would have been the uh, the fourth quarter, I believe, because they were going that direction. He broke away. Looks like he's you know, he had, it looks like he's outrunning the uh, the secondary. Oh yeah, okay. And somebody attacked him about the ten yard line. You're right. It's early early fourth quarter that yeah. happened, and you're right. They held him to a field goal, and it was twenty seven twenty. It was twenty four twenty at the time. Carolina kicks exactly. a short field goal. Right. Okay. Great point, Scooter. Yeah. Yep. And now, also. You know, the, 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 thing, the thing is, we talked about the vertical passing game, and I thought this is where Syracuse was going to excel this year. And once, once again, we got the vertical passing game. Everything makes, it makes everything look easy. Now, now if, they have, if they respect the vertical passing game, they're going to have to back up their linebackers and their safety, which is going to open up the running game. But, but, the, but the last couple of weeks, they haven't been, no, no, no respect to their vertical passing game, so they just basically put eight men in the box and said, we dare you. And you know that's the that's the big thing question that uh, the coach is going to have to come up with because I think NC State is going to score some points on us. And when I've seen the NC State secondary, I think the vertical passing game is going to be there. Yeah. And this, you know, this could be a shootout if it you know it could be one of those games that just like your you know like the like the Big Twelve is this this could be in the 40s if both teams execute. And the key part is execution because I think I think the receivers are going to be running both of them going to be running open the whole game. Yeah, you're right. This could be a, a very high-scoring game, uh, Scooter. Uh, NC State 12th nationally right now in passing yards per game at 311. Syracuse's last two games have been 43-37 and 40-37. to What are we looking at as high-scoring? We've seen it. Yeah, these, that's these true. Have been, these have been shootout crazy well, games. And I they've know both they both been went o- to over- overtime I know games. they both went to overtime, but... I mean, what, I mean, he compared it to a Big 12 at? game. I mean, the games of the Big 12 are, you know, in the 50s. And I, I don't know if that's what we're going to get on Saturday. But, yes, this has the potential to be a, a very high-scoring game. Uh, Ryan Finley might be the best quarterback Syracuse faces. I actually asked Dino Babers that, and he said, Trevor Lawrence kid is pretty good. But, yeah, Ryan Finley might be the best quarterback uh, that this team faces all year. He's only been sacked three times that's this incredible. season. Three times. Five and one. NC State's five and one had that one game against West Virginia canceled and then obviously blown out over the weekend against Clemson. But uh, it's a pretty darn good team uh, coming to town, uh, led by a pretty darn good quarterback. We do need to take a timeout. Full lines remain open at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. It's brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amour CPAs as we welcome in our producer, Tommy Hogan. And before you say anything about the Colts, oh, congratulations you know. to you. T- I did know. It was ugly. Andrew Luck throttled that defense. It wasn't, that is, it wasn't even it, like... I, I'm and not, Marlon Mack. They didn't score. I'm not even upset. I, I'm not. Like, You're it, done with him? I, You're for this over year, it? You're it, over it? It is what it is. We knew they weren't going to be very good. And Josh Allen's but hurt. and they're, they're worse than you expect them to be, aren't do you, they? Do you know how many touchdown passes they have on the season? They've played seven games. Uh, three. three. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Tommy's he, all over. I saw, three this, touchdowns. I saw this stat yesterday. Patrick Mahomes has thrown for three touchdowns in a half six times this season. Yeah. Um, they, 18 quarterbacks have had more than three touchdown passes in a game this year. Unbelievable. Bills Andrew had three Luck was touchdown one of passes on the season. season. Right. Yeah. That's right. Luck had, had that kind of performance yesterday. So I'm not even upset. I, I'm not. Just, oh come on! Yeah, I mean, I'm glad glad your team won. You can be happy. You can yes. gloat all you, you want. You needed a win. That's fine. Yes, we did. you needed one. I'm I'm checked out on the Bills. Like I'll casually watch, but right. I'm not even upset. Wait, wait till next year. Wait till Josh Allen's healthy. What do you right. got for us today? So the college basketball AP preseason polls are out, and Syracuse comes in at 16 
Uh, there's four ACC teams in front of them. Duke at four, Virginia five, UNC at eight, and Virginia Tech at 15 right in front of Syracuse. Yeah, they've also got uh, Clemson behind them, Florida State behind them in the poll as well. Um, ACC with the most teams or, sorry, in the top 25. Uh, Virginia Tech and Clemson, Florida State right about up ahead of them as you would. Am I reading Virginia the wrong Tech poll? Ahead Florida of them. State seventeenth. Yeah. Sorry, I was yes. reading the wrong poll in, in Donna's you sandwich post. between them. I was reading uh, Donna's ballot rather than, <laughs> rather than sure. the actual ballot. Uh, but look, I, this is right where I thought they were going to be. I yeah. thought they were going to be somewhere between fifteen and twentieth. Um, if you're a Syracuse fan, you're probably looking at the Ken Pomeroy one and saying, "Hey, look at that! He's got his top ten, and not this one." But uh, this is right where I expected them to be preseason. I, I thought this was interesting. I counted up, and, and this was just top of my head without looking at the schedule. Um, I counted up 10 games against teams that are in the AP poll right now. You've got potentially two, poten- Oregon. Right. Uh, uh, you got two for two against Duke, Virginia, two against Carolina. Uh, Virginia Tech is six, Florida State, Clemson. Um, and then I got uh, Oregon uh, as that as one more. So I, I think that you you've got, you know, a good number of games against legit top opponents. Um, not that we didn't know that was going to happen already. We expect that. You're in the ACC. You're going to play great uh, great uh, competition. But seven ACC teams in the top 25, that, that is a bear in that conference. Seth is my witness. The poll came out. He said, don't look, Steve. He said, where do you think Syracuse is ranked? And I said, I thought about it for a second. I said, I don't know, like 16th. I did. Smart man. This is right true. on. So that I thought that's right about where they would be as well. Um, I pointed this out earlier, but since you bring it up now, uh, Tommy, about the AP Top 25 coming out, Washington checking in at 25th. Hop's got everybody back as well. Mm-hmm. All five starters, eight of his top nine scores from a year ago. They won 21 games. I think they're picked to finish third in the Pac-12, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, so high expectations for uh, Hop and the Huskies as well. As for Syracuse, yeah, I think this is this is right about where we thought they would start. ESPN I, had Syracuse at 13. So, yeah, I mean, right in the middle yeah, of the pack, this, no, this 12 to like 17, 18 is where you're going to see Syracuse in all these preseason polls I, from all these outlets. I think it's reasonable. I mean, yeah, there, there's Barama Sidibe coming back healthy. Sure, there's a, uh, Elijah Hughes coming in as a transfer. Um, you know, I know Pat made the point earlier that people around the country don't know as much as, you know, we might know here in Syracuse. I think that's the case for any team sure. anywhere in the country. People who are just watching from the outside don't know your team as well as you think you do and, and as well as you think your your local journalists uh, and reporters do. Uh, but with that being said, there's a lot to like about this Syracuse team. Five starters coming back, and yes, you you would hope they improve a little bit more um, from where they were last year. And if they don't, then they're not going to be all that different. But you you look at the pieces they brought in, Jalen Carey, Elijah Hughes, Buddy Beheim. Um, it, it seems like a more dynamic team, certainly, and and it should be a better team. And I I certainly think a top twenty, top twenty five team as we play through the season. Their first pre or exhibition game is this Thursday. Frank Howard, he's likely. I don't think he's going to be able to play. Jalen Carey, who got hurt in the white and orange scrimmage, not positive. There's no update on him yet. Could could Tyus Battle be a starter in in at point guard? Well, there could be an issue of point guard these first two exhibition games and maybe even crosses over into the, the first couple of games of the season. How about this? We have the Jerry McNamara show tomorrow night. we got the first one of the season. Well, we'll ask Jerry. Sure. We'll, we'll try and find some answers. Yeah. Yeah, certainly no Howard Washington. Sounds like Frank Howard is, is going to be back 
at best for the the regular season opener. Whether I mean, we talked to Frank on Media Day, and and he said, you know, yeah, that's that's the goal. He didn't. He said, I don't want to put a, a time frame on it because I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it could spill over into the early part of the regular season. Jalen Carey, I think it was just an ankle. I think um, you're right. The the program hasn't really updated other than to say that you know he left with a sprained ankle, uh, the orange white scrimmage, and. You know, a couple days later, he still hadn't practiced yet. But you know, my guess is, if if it was just a sprained ankle, my guess is, um, you know, it won't spill over into the regular season. But uh, yeah, I guess ask Jerry tomorrow, Seth, and uh, we'll see, we'll, we'll we'll see what, what we can uh, what we we'll can find what out. Says. Yeah. So Darius Baisley is back in the news today. He signed an endorsement deal with New Balance for fourteen million dollars, but only one million of that being guaranteed. So there must be some sort of incentive on. If you're good, getting now, yeah, yeah, now exactly. Get, if you end up draft on a the roster. top ten, you get this. Yeah, draft yeah. the top fifteen, you get that. Now I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta point something out about this deal. So the million dollars that he's going to be paid is going to be for work as an intern for New Balance. Interesting. And I just need to ask, where along the way did I miss the million dollar internships? <laughs> where, where did I miss those as I was looking through college? You would well, sign up for that one. I would sign up for one of those. Yeah, I would have liked That'd one nice. of those. That would have been nice to get. Where did I miss that? I guess you didn't elect to the G League instead of college. I know. I, That's see, where I, you messed up. I made a career change. Couldn't make I, a jump I shot, a, Seth. I made a poor... <laughs> That's I made where you a, went wrong. I made a poor career decision. I think I did. So I guess maybe this is working out a little bit better for Darius than uh, we originally thought. million dollars uh, in his pocket. Seems yes. like it. Um, I still think he's missing out by going to college. I still think his stock... Well, I think if he had gone to the G League, I think his stock certainly would have gone down. I, I don't know how much his stock will go down by doing know. nothing for a year. He'll be that he'll be that cloudy, hazy figure. Well, Nobody I do will know, know anything about there's him. There's gonna be more pressure on him during the combine and the workouts and so on and so forth because certainly. you know, teams won't won't know for sure what he can do. They won't have seen him in a, in more than a calendar year. So um there's gonna be a lot of pressure on him next spring. But uh Good sure for him for Mill- getting something million sure. dollars in his pocket. Listen, it's not New Balance really betting Nike, on him, but uh, what's that? New Balance is really betting on him. I mean, they are. They don't but have very many basketball clients. That's and, what I was going to say too. This is this is something that Jeff Goodman. So they got a guy up. that. Uh, well, but this is something that Jeff Goodman brought up. Some questions about, and I, and I think that it's it's an interesting point to bring up. He signed with Rich Paul and Clutch, so that's LeBron, that's Anthony Davis, that's like the guys they've got. They don't have too many, but the guys they've got are are really Top big, notch. high profile guys. Sure. And Jeff Goodman made a point of. You know, in the business, does this seem like something where you you put this out there and you make this deal and this like makes waves, right? But the real deal that is going to be made bef- between Clutch and New Balance is something bigger. Like like he's got one of his other clients out there that has a shoe deal up or doesn't have one yet, and they are ready to go make a deal. So that's the real money maker. That's the one that's really going to make some kind of an impact for New Balance. This one is the one that makes waves, given the the story around this guy. I, and I do agree with what Tommy's saying. You know that that they're taking a chance on him. This is they're they're betting on Darius Baisley at a relatively low cost. Like there's not other shoe companies sure. clamoring for Darius Baisley, but they're they're hoping obviously that he turns into to something. And I mean, a million dollars in the grand scheme of things is not really a big deal. So it's a it's a low risk gamble. On a guy who's got, you know, I hate this term, but high upside because he does. He has high upside. He has a lot of potential. We don't know what he's going to turn into, and so they're throwing a million dollars as, as kind of a flyer. Uh, the Jim Beheim quote from this from this piece that Mark Stein tweeted out. Uh, he said, "Everybody thinks I'm all mad. I'm not upset even a little bit. I hope the kid makes it. He's got great potential. He is." 
I just knew when they say G League, that league's too physical. Fair point. I mean, you'd have been in the same league as Akeem Wark. Yeah, I, I, uh, yes, I couldn't no, agree that was, more. That with, was the problem. Right. Exactly. It's just it's crazy. An 18 year old with uh, a 37 year old. Uh, yeah. Yes, that is that is the problem with going to the G League out of high school. Exactly. And finally, Blake Bortles was pulled yesterday in the Jacksonville Jaguars game about third quarter. Do the Jags are there any external options for the, for the Jags at quarterback? Or I mean, Nathan Peter is probably available if I'm they sure want to make a, be made available. make a deal. Wait, you know, Marone dealing with the Bills, like wouldn't that be something? True. I don't think there's any legitimate options out there. I really don't. I think that I think the Jaguars have just bungled this so badly. What about um, what about and th- this name came came up in connection with the Giants. What about Derek Carr? Is he available? Contracts running out at the end of the year. Gruden has shown. I that, thought he just signed. Yeah, an he extension. just signed a big contract. Are you sure about yeah, that? Yeah, he got a big contract. He just signed a huge extension. I could be wrong. Then did Doug I, Marone coach Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo? Because I really have, think that no. Haven't we figured out? Tyrod's Tyrod and don't. But I think that's an upgrade to Bortles. Yeah, but you're still in the same. You're still in the same hamster wheel. I think but you're still in the same spot. Derek Carr is under contract for four more years. Okay, so he just signed yeah. an extension. Yeah, yeah he okay. Because I saw earlier this year that he was in connection with the Giants. I didn't realize he'd. I missed that. Thank you. I know Seth said, said this off air, but Teddy Bridgewater would have been perfect well, yeah, for the Jaguars. That, look, that would have been the perfect move to make. Yeah. Uh, much much the same way as I didn't understand the Giants taking a running back when they weren't a, a running back away. Couldn't they have drafted Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes instead of uh, Leonard Fournette? You know, there, there are moves along the way that the, that, the, that the Jaguars have made where for whatever reason they've decided yeah. to show confidence in, in Blake Bortles. And let's face they even it, they signed him have. to a contract, I believe, this offseason. Yeah, Blake but that wasn't a, that wasn't a really huge. big commitment. But they, it was it was something. It was an extension. It, it showed some sort of trust and belief in him, which is clearly not that high anymore. That situation is a disaster right now. Yeah. Yes, the defense is. is not as good as everybody thought. Fournette, who knows when the heck he's going to play again, and Bortles has been atrocious. They gave up 40 points to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Everything's going wrong for them. Yeah. yeah. That was today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amour CPAs. Look ahead to 2019 with Grossman St. Amour CPAs. Remain focused on today's business with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and preparation services, visit gsacpas.com. One final time out. We'll wrap up the show right after this on ESPN Radio.